Amen. Good morning, Evangel. Good morning. Really happy to be back after having been away last Sunday. I was on vacation and a number of you have just said, Patty, how was your vacation? Was it, was it good? It was so good. You know what I did? It's pretty exciting. I read books. This is my idea of a good time. How many are a little bit disappointed right now? I had a good time. I enjoyed it, and it was great. I got a good rest, and so really glad to be back. We were back in the office. I was back in the office this week, and then back today. And so we're continuing our series that we've been doing on the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this on Sunday mornings. This is week three. Last week, Pastor Tim continued it, and I started it a couple weeks ago. And we've been talking about um, how the Holy Spirit works and who the Holy Spirit is and how, how we navigate all of that in this church, in Evangel, right here. And, and so we kind of started off by saying, you know, sometimes people get a little bit uncomfortable talking about the Holy Spirit, and they wonder, where's she going to go? What's going to happen? And we kind of said in the first week, like, of course there is a Holy Spirit. We kind of assume, since we're here, that there's a spiritual world. This is why we're here, is for our spirituality, for our hearts, and for our souls. And so, of course, God is spirit. We know God isn't a human. So, of course, there's a Holy Spirit. And, of course, the Holy Spirit would be part of our faith. And I think we all kind of went, well, yeah. Right? We agreed on that together? Just say yes, if you agree with that. There you go. Again, this side. This side's always quieter. I assume it's because you're more spiritual. So we, we looked at Luke um, chapter 11 and, and in that first week. And, and it was when Jesus was talking to the disciples about, about prayer and about persevering in prayer and about um, how to bring God into their lives. And he said in Luke chapter 11, so I tell you to ask and you will receive, search and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. Everyone who asks will receive, everyone who searches will find, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. And, and then he said, you, you, as bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. But your Heavenly Father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. And so we said in that first week that the Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a good gift. And the Holy Spirit is, is a good gift that, that the Father gives to us. And that there is this uh, principle in Scripture of asking and of seeking and of knocking and saying, God, I want more of you. And so, so it's kind of our, our basis that we're going from um, in, this, in this whole series that we're doing on the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, my goal, because I have to tell you my goal. I prefer to be straight up and let you know my agenda of what I'm doing, what I'm teaching. My goal here is to help each of us learn how to incorporate the Holy Spirit into our everyday life. Not just have a, a happy moment on a Sunday morning, but to actually involve the Holy Spirit and be open to hearing and being led by the Holy Spirit in our regular life. So just like we've done that with Bible reading, and just like we've done that with prayer, and just like we've done that as we've, as we've talked about living generously, we want the same thing to happen as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, recently I've been reading a whole lot of um, stuff about, about the Holy Spirit and about Pentecostal theology, because we're a Pentecostal church here. And it's actually an interesting thing as it fed into what I was talking about, because we have this distinctive feature in our slice, our tribe of Christianity. We have this feature where um, we, we link together both scripture and life. And so our faith is informed by scripture. It's a guideline for our experience, of course. But then at the same time, our experience in life and our experience together as a community helps us to understand scripture so that both of those things go together. And so that matters on how we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit. I'm not doing this series on the Holy Spirit just for the knowledge. 
I don't want you, I don't care if you go home and go, I have a certificate on my wall on the summer of 2017, Pastor Patty preached on the Holy Spirit, and so now I know what that is. Check. Never have to revisit that. I don't want to do this just for the knowledge. Okay? I just think it's it's far too important for that. We're doing this because we want to have an experience and a purpose of connecting with God in a deeper way. Four of you agree. The rest of you, you're about the certificate. Okay, make your own. Okay? But we're we wanting to, we're wanting to honestly, I'm wanting to stir up a deep hunger for God here. I wanted to stir up a really a passionate hunger for God here. And and then I want us to be able to walk it out and not just be in this space, but to be empowered. And when we leave here on Sunday mornings, to walk into our world with the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit so that we can carry Jesus to our world. So that's my agenda. That's my goal. So there's different ways that we're sort of walking this out, and, and we've already been doing it for a few weeks, and we're going to do it again today. And, and one of the things is that we're, we're after, before and after our services, in between first and second service, we're, we're turning the room into a prayer room. That's what I, that's what I call it. It's the phrase that I grew up with. Um, and, and I've often said that I learned to pray, even as a child. I learned to pray because my parents brought me in, and I was in a prayer room and sitting on a, on a seat somewhere while people were praying. And I learned what it was to pray, and I learned how to hear the Holy Spirit, and I learned how to be open to the Holy Spirit in the community of a prayer room. And so before and after, between our services here, we're turning this space into a prayer room. So I walked around before the service started this morning prayed with a number of you. We all prayed together in different spots, and we're going to keep on doing that. And you go, well, Patty, I'm not sure that I have time to do that. I have set aside precisely 67 minutes on Sunday mornings to come to church and to meet with God. And if God doesn't fit in those 67 minutes, well, you know, that's, you hear that, right? That that's not, it's not right. We value our connection with God. We value our connection with the Holy Spirit, and, and sometimes it takes a little extra time. And sometimes it's worth taking a little extra time. And sometimes there's something to be said for, for waiting and, and um, um, lingering. And, and some of the older generations called it tarrying, right? Waiting in a prayer room and just going, God, I, I'm willing to set aside my plans for today a little bit. I'm willing to push them off a little bit. I'm willing to delay lunch just for a few minutes so that I can wait and, and spend time with God. And so, so, so that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking just time, unstructured time, without our cell phones. <laughs> when there's time to just connect with God and to worship it. And for some of us, it will be, it'll be praying and listening. Some of us will just sit and rest in God's presence. And others of us will gather together and pray together in groups. And some of us will receive prayer from others. And, and sometimes it's on your own. And, and just well, that's what we're doing is turning this room into a prayer room before, between, after our services on Sunday mornings. It's one of the things that we're trying to do. So I want to just pause at this moment. I want to set the atmosphere for that. Okay? So I'm going to invite you to maybe hold up your hands. And for me, you don't have to, but it's a symbol to me of openness to God. And so whatever whatever you need to do for that openness, you just go ahead. And God, at this moment, we just pause and we quiet our spirits. And we bring our thoughts into line with yours. We ask God that you would make us open to you. Lord, we don't have any agenda except to grow as your kids and to um, seek after you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. So Lord, from that basis, we invite your Holy Spirit to move and to fill us and to pour in and help us to hear your word today. Help us, God, to have a hunger for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you um, a little bit of history, a little bit of context, a little bit of scripture. 
And I want to, I'm just going to start off by saying, we're a Pentecostal church here. That's, that's who we are. It's, it's our slice of Christianity. Now, I, I'm saying that not because I think it's a big deal. And not because I think it's, it's better or, or somehow more elite or more... In fact, I, I actually get really uncomfortable standing up here going, we are this kind of Christian because I actually prefer not to focus on what separates us from other Christians or what our differences are in theology. I prefer most of the time to focus on what unites us. That's Jesus. And to actually talk about what it is that's common ground between us and every slice of Christianity. I don't really love labels that differentiate. But I want to, i got to start from this point because I want you to understand where I'm coming from as I talk about how we understand the Holy Spirit and how that works. So when you look at our history, and I talked about this a bit in week one, when you look at our history of, of being Pentecostal, started just over a century ago, and, and uh, we had roots before that in, in what was called the holiness movement. Um, if you've heard the name John Wesley, or you've heard about Methodists, or you've heard some of those things, that's, that's where the roots of, of Pentecostal movement came from. And it was this, it was this idea that faith should impact real life. That it shouldn't just be on Sundays, but it was faith that would impact every single day and every decision in life. And so there was this intense personal um, piety, this this intense personal, in every part of my life, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to follow God. It, that was the holiness roots that are, that are part of our roots as Pentecostals. And then uh, Azusa Street happened, and, and I talked about that in week one in the early 1900s. All of a sudden, people were just praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just, just showed up, and people started speaking in tongues, and people started um, praying, and being healed, and, and people were meeting Jesus, and it was this huge, dramatic uh, moment that, that happened, and that was repeated in different places and at different times throughout the last century, so that today, and this is why you know this information, so that today, only a century later, which is short in church history, only a century later, those who identify as Pentecostal Christians, we're all over the globe. We're, we're all the way around the world. There's about 279 million people in the world who identify as Pentecostal Christians. We make up about 13% of all Christians in the world. And, and that doesn't include, and I'm just giving you some labels because some of you are going to come and ask me, so I just like get out of the way in the beginning. That doesn't include those people who would identify as, as charismatics. So charismatics are kind of, the charismatics are pretty similar to Pentecostals. It's just that they've stayed, they tended to stay in some of the, the churches that aren't Pentecostal, right? So they hold some of the same beliefs as we do, but stayed in, carried in the Catholic Church or stayed in the Orthodox Church or stayed in other churches or whatever. If you put all of those together of, of groups of people who really value the work of the Holy Spirit in miraculous ways and in uh, significant ways in our lives, we, put, we make together about 27% of all Christians around the world, about 8% of the world's population. That's, that's pretty significant, yeah? In 100 years, we've grown to that. So it's a, it's a very significant piece of history of God at work in his church. Now, our experience is, we believe as a, as a Pentecostal church, as our slice of Christianity, our best understanding of what that means and of how that looks is, we believe in, in, in pursuing God and looking for a, like a second kind of moment after we've accepted Christ. There's a second moment when we, it's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it includes, the, depending on which kind of Pentecostals you're talking to, it could include speaking in tongues, could include prophecy, could include um, healing, could include all kinds of miracles, whatever, and, and not everybody, I seem to say this out loud because I, I just want you to hear this, not everybody has a dramatic experience 
And so, and so sometimes there's this sense of pressure of, well, I didn't get it, right? And, and maybe there's something wrong with me, or maybe, and I, I can't explain that, but I do believe that God has something for each one of us. Good? So our doctrine as Pentecostals, or our beliefs about how the Holy Spirit works, has evolved from all of that, has evolved from our roots, has evolved from our history, has evolved from our own um, experience, and it's our best understanding of how the Holy Spirit works, and that's what I want to talk about today, and I want to talk about that, and at the same time, please hear me say, no disrespect to people that believe differently than we do, because we're all followers of Jesus, okay? So let me just say, we highly, Pentecostals, we highly value the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We just do. That's that's a big deal to us. We highly value the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think we've got that on a slide, if we could put that up on the screen. We we Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was going to come and help us. He said the Holy Spirit was going to come and teach us. He said the Holy Spirit would come and guide us. He said, I'll ask the Father. He will send the Holy Spirit. He's going to do what I did. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, part of part of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we, we believe that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is really important. It's really essential. It's a big value that we have. But second of all, we also highly value Scripture. So we highly value the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We highly value Scripture. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. It's been given to us, and it's, it's all these different pieces that come together into the Bible as we have it. It's given through humanity, given through people, and all different kinds of people, at all different points in history, and it all comes together to form the sacred text that God has given us, and we believe that it is our guide for living. Somebody said to me once, not here, somewhere else. You know, I, when we sort of take the Bible as sort of a, a cafeteria style, I just take the parts that I like, right? And I leave the other parts behind. We don't actually believe that. We, we really believe in it. And I'm sure we don't do it perfectly, but we're sure giving it, we're sure giving it our best shot. We believe that the Holy, that the, the God's Word is our guide for living, all of it. And it's not optional. It's, it's what God has given us. So we highly value the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We highly value scripture. And then we also are actually very, very missional. We highly value the mission of the church that has been given to us. So we believe strongly in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is coming back and he can come back at any moment. That can happen at any time. And we believe, therefore, that the great commission that go out and make disciples, we believe that that's paramount. And there's a sense of urgency that comes with that, as Jesus said, to go and make disciples of all nations. So at our core, we are highly motivated to to not keep our faith to ourselves. And I know some people would say, well, you know, you can have your faith, just can you keep it personal, can you keep it to yourself? Actually, we can't. We actually feel like it's, it's fairly important and we highly value doing what Jesus said, which is to go out and to make disciples in the rest of the world because we believe that Jesus is good news for everybody. We believe that Jesus is good news for everyone. So yeah, we would love to see everyone connect with Jesus. That being said, we understand that not everyone does. Everyone has free will. So we try not to be obnoxious about it. Hello? Hello. Right? And we believe that we walk out our faith with grace and with joy and with kindness and with love, whether people agree with us or not. So that, that's a little bit of who we are. And we believe that we actually need the Holy Spirit's help for all of that in order to do that well. 
and to do that with authenticity. So, so we value the Holy Spirit, we value Scripture, and we value the mission that Jesus gave us to carry Jesus to our world. So let's talk about speaking in tongues, okay? Let's just put this out there. I'm going to talk about it. And this, let me give you sort of the background for it. So it started with Jesus' instruction. Which was in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, While Jesus was still with them, he said, Don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, just as I told you he has promised to do. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. And then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and everywhere in the world. So Jesus gives them this instruction before he goes back to heaven. This is after his death, after his resurrection, before he ascends to heaven. He gives them this instruction to go back to this room and wait there for the Holy Spirit. And they're like, okay, I don't know what that looks like, but okay. And so he tells them to go back there to wait for the Holy Spirit. And he, 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 he makes reference to some kind of separate baptism. Some kind of baptism in the Holy Spirit, which seems to be different from baptism in water. And, and, and it's different from salvation. And he, when he talks about it, he says that God's power is going to be part of that. There's going to be the power of God that's going to be part of whatever that looks like. And he says that the result is going to be that people are going to be able to tell people everywhere about Jesus. That's, that's the message Jesus gave them. Go back, wait for the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a separate kind of baptism. It's going to give you some kind of power so that you can do what I've called you to do. And this is the thing that Jesus had told them to do also in Matthew 28. It said Jesus came to them and he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to do everything I have told you. I will be with you always, Jesus said, even until the end of the world. It's called the Great Commission. That's what we refer to it as. It's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples all over the world of all people. Go and take the message of Jesus. And it was a huge message. We don't hear it as huge anymore because we're all about being inclusive, but it was a huge message for them at that time for his disciples because Jesus was saying this, and this isn't just for God's chosen people, the Jewish people, the Israelite people. It was God saying, no, this is huge because it's for everybody. It's, it's totally inclusive. It includes everybody, and they didn't realize it yet. They heard all nations and sort of filtered it through their own grid and didn't quite realize what that meant yet. So it seemed that what the way Jesus described it, the way that we see it in Scripture, it seemed that Whatever this Holy Spirit baptism was going to look like, it seemed like, number one, it was going to be noticeable. Number two, it was going to make some kind of a difference in their lives. And number three, the purpose would be to ultimately spread the message of Jesus. Okay? So whatever the Holy Spirit baptism was going to look like, those were going to... Now, here's what happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were together in one place, doing what Jesus said. Go back and wait. So they did. On the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were together in one place, and suddenly there was a noise from heaven like the sound of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were meeting. And then they saw what looked like fiery tongues moving in all directions, and a tongue came and settled on each person there. 
The Holy Spirit took control of everyone, and they began speaking whatever languages the Spirit let them speak. Okay, if you didn't just go, whoa, then you're either asleep or you've read this scripture too many times. Let me just read that again. Just let your imagine. Okay, on the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were together in one place. And suddenly there was a noise from heaven. Whoa. Like the sound of a mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Then they saw what looked like fiery tongues moving in all directions. And a tongue came and settled on each person there. Everybody together? Whoa. Okay. The Holy Spirit took control of everyone and they began speaking whatever languages the Spirit let them speak. And one more time. Whoa. Okay, that's pretty dramatic. And this was it. This was this Holy Spirit baptism that Jesus had been talking about. And so it was noticeable. They noticed when it happened. In fact, not only did they notice, but a whole crowd started gathering because there was enough noise and enough stuff going on that a whole crowd started gathering in Jerusalem. So it was noticeable. It made a difference, like Jesus said it was going to, because Peter stood up and in front of this whole crowd, once all this had happened, he stood up in front of this crowd in the middle of Jerusalem and he starts just preaching to them. This was the guy who a few weeks before had denied Christ. No, I don't know him because he was too scared, too scared to take a stand. Now he just stands up in front of people and he starts telling them about Jesus and it did spread the message because 3,000 people met Jesus that day. 3,000 people accepted Christ as their Savior that day. So, so this is how it all started. And then, by the way, it happened again. So it happened again in another setting at another time, and it's this guy named Cornelius. So Cornelius was, was a, 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 a guy who, who followed God, but who really hadn't heard the whole message of Jesus. He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jewish man. And so he was on the outside. So he's not one of God's chosen people in their understanding of how this works. And, and so Cornelius has this vision. And he has this vision of an angel who comes to him and says, you need to send somebody, you need to get this guy named Peter and, and get him to come to your house and Peter's going to tell you the message of God. And so he goes, okay. And so he sends some people to Peter's house. Peter, of course, is a Jewish man. He was one of Jesus' disciples. He's the guy that preached on that day of Pentecost. And, and, and Peter, meanwhile, would never normally go into a Gentile's home because it's going to make him unclean and it's breaking the rules and he can't eat the food. It just gets super complicated. And so he wouldn't normally go. But while Cornelius' guys are on the way to knock on the door of Peter, Peter is praying and Peter has a vision. And his whole vision, it's, it's goes on a bit, but basically the message was God saying to him, don't call something unclean if I call it clean. And Peter's like, what? And God goes, don't call something unclean if I call it clean. He's like, okay. And then there's this knock on the door. Peter goes down and he opens the door and there's these Gentiles there and they go, would you come and tell us about God? Ding. Light goes on. Peter's, in Peter's brain. And so, so Peter goes, and, and he, he gets there, and he says, what, what do you want from me? And they go, well, we had this vision that said we should ask you to tell us what God has to say. And he goes, okay, can you tell us? And so he breaks all the rules of Jewish culture, and he listens to their story, and then this is what happened in Acts chapter 10. Peter then said, now I'm certain that God treats all people alike. It's a huge breakthrough moment for him. God is pleased with everyone who worships him and does right, no matter what nation they come from. 
This is the same message that God gave to the people of Israel when he sent Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, to offer peace to them. You surely know what happened everywhere in Judea. It all began in Galilee after John had told everyone to be baptized. God gave the Holy Spirit and power to Jesus from Nazareth. And he keeps on going and he says, God told us to announce clearly to the people that Jesus is the one he has chosen to judge the living and the dead. Every one of the prophets have said that all who have faith in Jesus will have their sins forgiven in his name. Okay, so he tells all the people in Cornelius' house about Jesus. He tells them Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus came to forgive them of their sins. And watch what happens, okay? While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit took control of everyone who was listening. I hate it when that interrupts my sermon. It's a joke. It's a little joke. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit took control of everyone who was listening. And some Jewish followers of the Lord had come with Peter. They just traveled along. And they were surprised that the Holy Spirit had been given to Gentiles. Now they're hearing Gentiles speaking unknown languages and praising God. And Peter said, whoa, these Gentiles have been given the Holy Spirit just as we have. I'm certain that no one would dare stop us from baptizing them. So he goes to Cornelius' house and he, and he does that because Cornelius had a vision. Peter has a vision. So he's like, okay, I guess I'll break the rules. And so he goes to the house and he tells him about Jesus. And he tells him about the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, they're all speaking in tongues. They're all been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're speaking Gentiles. They're not supposed to have God. And yet they do. And these Jewish guys are sitting there going, well, I guess. It seems like God's including everybody. And it was huge. It was this big inclusive moment. It meant that Jesus wasn't the exclusive property of one specific culture. Jesus was for everyone. God was for everyone. And so again, it's fulfilling the Great Commission. You see it happen over and over. And, and every time people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't always say that people spoke in tongues, but it does say everyone was included. People were always included. It was a big factor in the early church understanding that salvation was for everybody, not just for the people of Israel. Salvation was for everyone. And it was noticeable whenever people were baptized in the Spirit. It seemed to make some kind of difference in their life. And it, it helped other people connect with Jesus, so fulfill the Great Commission. But it was also this, seemed to be this separate experience from becoming a follower of Jesus. You had to be a follower of Jesus, and it seemed like this spirit baptism thing was a second thing, a second step, a separate moment. Some of them were followers first and then immediately received the Holy Spirit. Some of them um, were followers for a while and then later received this Holy Spirit. But it seemed like receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit was a natural next step for people that had become followers of Jesus. And it seemed to be what Jesus himself had suggested. He told them to go to the upper room and to wait for the Holy Spirit. And it seemed to be connected very closely to the sign of speaking in tongues. But, but, that was just a sign. It wasn't the point. It was just a sign because the purpose was to give people power to tell the rest of the world about Jesus. That was the point. That was the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, when you go back 
to Pentecostal experience, our tribe, our slice, the last century or so, when it seemed that a similar experience to Acts chapter 2 seemed to happen on Azusa Street in this little church in the middle of Los Angeles, tiny little stable group of people meeting together, when it seemed that a similar experience of, of something dramatic happening and people speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit coming, when it seemed like that was happening just over a century ago, and then it became repeated, and it became this fairly common experience, and it happened all over the states, and it happened in Canada, and it started happening around the world under different leaders and different people. I mean, it just, it mattered. And those that experienced that, and those that were part of that, felt, well, you can't just take this lightly. You can't just go, oh, well, whatever, take it or leave it. Never just go, this is something that God has given. This is a gift that God has given us. This is something to be paid attention to. This is something that's making a difference in people's lives. This is something to be highly, highly valued. So when we go back to what we said earlier, we said we highly value the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we highly value scripture, and we highly value the church's mission. So you can see how all of these things come together, because we value this, this baptism of the Spirit encounter, which seems to be accompanied by the sign of speaking in tongues, because we value the Holy Spirit, and because we value what scripture has to say about it, well then Pentecostals became people that grabbed on to what was happening and grabbed these values in response to what God was clearly doing. And then you tie that in with the third value, and it's why we became such a missional movement. It's why we're spread all over the world. It's why we send missionaries. It's why we go. Because our understanding of the Holy Spirit at work in us is to go out there and to bring Jesus to the rest of our world. How many are tracking with me so far? It makes sense, right? Those three things go together. And so, so tongues seem to be a sign that accompanied that. Now, I'm just going to pause at this moment, and I'm going to make a small confession, okay? And then we're going to bring it back together, and we're going to take time to hear from God. But I, I want to say this right out loud because I think it matters. How many know that human beings, no matter how godly they are, sometimes can get a little bit off track? Not, not you, the person beside you, just elbow them. Sometimes you get a little off track, okay? It happens to the best of us. And, and that's okay. That's why we're all together, why we keep on reading scripture, why we keep on following God. There are times, I want to say right out loud, there are times that Pentecostals have gotten a little bit off track. What? I can't believe she said that. I know. Sometimes we've gotten a little bit off, off track and because we got so excited about the sign, about the experience, about the, the big dramatic moment. Sometimes we got so excited about that, and understandably, because sometimes it was an exciting moment, but sometimes we get so excited about that, we actually forgot the purpose. We actually forgot the mission. We forgot what it was that Jesus actually told us to do. And so I just want to say out loud that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not primarily a feel-good experience. Hello? It's not primarily um, this moment where you go, wow, I'm just really super spiritual now because I've had this dramatic moment. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not, I'm just saying this so carefully, it's not actually a substitute for walking out our faith every day with both feet on the ground. We don't get to substitute the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit for just walking out our faith faithfully and being a disciple of Jesus. It's also, by the way, not a sign that you are special or more approved than all the other people around you. <laughs> Sometimes 
of the Holy Spirit, but you're sort of a second-class Christian. Okay, that's not what it was. Peter saw that the, the message was that Jesus was for everyone, and that the mission was for everyone. And so it doesn't mean that you're better. It doesn't mean that you're more holy. It doesn't mean that you're more approved by God. There, yes, it's true that it takes some people longer than others to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you go, Patty, why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that God does what he wants to do. That God calls us to seek after him. Amen. Sounds good? Yeah. But we, never, we can never forget the point. The point of the whole thing is we are called to hunger after God. We are called to seek after God. We are called to ask and search and knock for the power of God in our lives. Why? Because Jesus told us to. And why did he tell us to? So that we could go out and do what he told us to do. Amen. Go out there and tell the world about Jesus. Jesus said, go into all the world. Make disciples. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And you will be witnesses of who Jesus is and what he's done. So if we end up staying within our own walls, as we have done sometimes in the past as a whole. If we end up staying within our own walls all the time. Never doing what Jesus told us to do, but just huddling within and looking for more and more spiritual experiences, we're missing it. Because the purpose, the mission of the church is to reach our world for Jesus. The mission of the church is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can go out there and we can help people to meet Jesus. It's simple, right? Pretty straightforward. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to do that. So, so here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to end this morning. It's, it's 1031. I ask if you would stand with me at this moment. I ask our worship team to come back. And I want us to bring our minds and our thoughts into line with God again. I want us to be open to God. And I know some of us are just going, well, okay, wrap that up, gotta go. If you gotta go, you can go, okay? But I'm gonna invite you to not. I'm going to invite you to spend a little bit of time staying here today. Just for a few minutes, four minutes, 14 minutes, half an hour. You can stay until the next service starts if you want. But we're going to turn this room, this whole room, the balcony, front to back, we're going to turn it into a prayer room. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and we're going to, we're going to wait for God. And we're going to, we're going to seek after God. We're going to search. We're going to long. We're going to knock on the door and say, God, we would like more of you. God, we would like the Holy Spirit. We would like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're going to value what it is that Jesus called us to do. And just like he told his disciples, go back and wait. Those of us that are going to do it are going to, we're going to stay here and we're going to wait. We're going to wait for God to come and to connect with us. And we're going to value what we see about the Holy Spirit in Scripture. We're going to value um, the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. So we're going to look for something noticeable in our lives. And we're going to look for something to make a difference. So we walk out of here different than we have before. And we're going to look for something that gives us the power to actually carry Jesus to our world. That's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? It's not what we're called to do. It's not why we're all here. And so I'm inviting you this morning to stay. I'm inviting you to wait with me. Wait with some of us. 
and waiting for the lighting. And you can worship. You can pray. If you don't know how to pray, you can just be quiet. And you can listen. Maybe God wants to speak to you. Maybe God wants to give something to you. You can stay and you can do that. And you go, well, honey, I, you know, I'm just going to go. I can do this at home on my own time. Yes, you can. But usually, scripture shows and experience shows something about staying together. Something about setting aside extra time, not just scheduling it in for when I have extra time on my day off, but taking extra time at the moment when God's calling us to. Just saying, God, I'm here. I'm here right now. And I'm here ready to receive from you. So would you just take a moment and move into that prayerful space at this moment. Just whisper a prayer like that. God, I'm here. God, I'm waiting for you. God, I'm inviting your Holy Spirit to come. God, would you come? Would you come and fill us with your Holy Spirit? What we're going to do is I've I've invited our worship team to come and to sing that song quietly, the one that they taught us this morning, that the atmosphere is changing. The Holy Spirit is here. And I've invited them to sing that so that you can sing along if you want to. But as time goes on, if, if you're a person and you're here and you go, I'm hungry for God. I don't quite know all that I want, but I want, I want all that God has for me. I want to be who God has called me to be. I want to do the work that Jesus has asked me to do. We'll pray for you if you want. There's going to be ministry people around. They're going to have little bottles of oil. If you want to receive prayer, just catch their eye. Some of them will be in the front. Some of them will be in the middle or walking around. Just catch their eye. We'll come and pray for you. If there's people that you know you want to pray together, you can. If you want to stay where you are or come to the front and have some alone space in the middle of it all, then you can. There's actually a station at the back for kids as well, so kids can learn to pray just like I did when I was a little kid and can learn to invite the Holy Spirit in. Let me just read this scripture over you one more time. Jesus said, So I tell you to ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find. The door will be open for everyone who knocks. Your Heavenly Father is ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. So we ask this morning, God. We're not going to officially dismiss our service. We're going to just pray. Invite the Holy Spirit to come. Worship team is going to sing. You are welcome to stay as long as you want. And when you're ready to leave, you go. There's no judgment. There's no extra holiness in staying longer. Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now into this space, into our lives. Holy Spirit, there are some of us that are here, and, and this we're, we're really familiar with this, we're comfortable with it, and God, we need to be filled with you again. And we need to have that hunger stirred within us again for Jesus, for God. But some of us, we need to have not only a hunger for you stirred up, but a hunger for our world. That we would just long and, and, and give our lives, not only 
for the moment with you, but to carry you out into our world. God, we, we need that stirred up again. And God, some of us are here, we don't even quite know what we're asking for, but we're going, God, would you give us the Holy Spirit? Whatever that looks like, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you baptize us with your Holy Spirit the first time or again? And would you let us, would you fill this space with your presence? So that as we spend time here, and then when we walk out, we know that we're different. We know that we're equipped and strengthened and ready to carry Jesus to our world. Come, oh God. Come, oh God. Just come. Holy Spirit, we wait for you this morning.